Mississippi. Four Mississippi. Three Mississippi. Two Mississippi. One and a half Mississippi. One. Go. Welcome to Codecast. We're a podcast that focuses on everything tech, and we give you an idea of what developers, startups, and creatives are up to in Zambia and across Africa. Every two weeks, we explore different topics and applications of technology in the real world. Every episode is brought to you by Agora Code Community. For more information, visit agoracode.community or follow us on Twitter at Code Agora. Hi, I'm Alenani and I'm a cyber security enthusiast and you're listening to Codecast. Welcome to episode 23 of Codecast. I'm your host, Mukuma, and today I have a big surprise for everybody. Guess who's in the studio today? <laughs> I am back after a long leave, indefinite leave. At this point, Cynthia, you are a guest. <laughs> I, I am a guest. Actually, we do have two guests there. I'm one of those. Don't ruin the surprise. Oh, no, 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 That's no. That's another no. surprise. No. How was your week? Yeah, it was amazing. It's just started, though. It has just started. Why was I saying it was amazing? I think I was referring to last week. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to these days? Oh, quite a lot. See, uh, let's see. I, I, I was attending a workshop on social accountability. Yeah. I think we'll devote an episode to talk about social accountability because I have questions. Definitely. And I have answers. Okay, that's good. Okay, so today we're not talking about social accountability. Today we're talking about something that someone, um, well, no, I won't say bugged me about, but kept reminding me that we should do an episode on something like this. And I am glad that we're finally doing it. It may not be in, in the exact same way he wanted mm -hmm. it, but I guess we'll tackle a few things about it and then save the rest for another episode. So today we're talking about um, security and what it means for coders. Um, we need to remember that security starts with ourselves, especially as coders. I know we fall into that trap where you don't worry skip, too skip, much. Skip, skip, I'll yes, do it later. Exactly, because you want to get to the fun stuff. And then we talk about the basic steps each coder should uh, take in making sure they build an application that's secure. And we also talk about automating some of the processes that are involved in actually securing applications. Yes, you got that right. You can automate certain stuff about it. So please pay close attention. And joining us uh, to talk about security um, is Alinani. Alinani, do you want to tell everybody what you do? Okay, hi, Mkuman. Hi, Cynthia. Hello. Okay, um, so my name is Alina, as has already been mentioned. I, I am a software developer. I've been developing for the past 10 years, I think. Yeah, about 10 years. And um, I've worked as a security application developer and I'm in charge of uh, managing information systems at one of the government institutions currently. So this includes uh, software development and um, security around that. I think in a nutshell, that's what I do. Okay, that's that's nice. Um, so before we get into today's topic, Cynthia, do you want to run us through some news? Yes, I've been so excited about that. Which one do I start with, local or international? Which one? Uh, start with international so we can end with the good stuff. <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll talk about what we call the Developer Community Challenge, which is being held by Facebook, that is Facebook for Developers. Um, the deadline for submitting on the challenge, okay, so let me start with the tools. Uh, we had a similar thing last year. This year, they are concentrating on using React 360, Spark AR, and HTML5 for games. Uh, so this is about developers in the developer communities, which are over, uh, in over 130 cities around the world and have a membership of over 200,000 developers. Oh, that's a large number. Yes. <laughs> uh, so developers are invited to submit software across one of the three categories, which is productivity and utility, gaming and entertainment, and social good. So you can use React 360, Spark AR, or HTML5 games to actually participate in these categories. And there are over 165,000 US dollars in prizes for regional and global winners 
Uh, for last year's winners, some of them actually attended the F8 this year, which was our own local team, which had uh, Pendo and Wilfred, Wilfred yeah. and Olivier. So these are local developers. So who, who knows, maybe even the winners for this year's will be able to attend next year's F8. Fingers crossed. Then local oh sorry if you want to register for this community challenge just go for developers.facebook.com and you'll be able to access this and there are links there on how you register and steps on how you participate then local Mm -hmm. is Mm laka yes of course so next month on the 19th and the 20th we have something amazing happening we have what we are calling the developer conference zambia and uh the we have many sponsors like the likes of asikana network there's mule stickers there's facebook developer circles there's uh who am i leaving out uh aws aws there's bongo hive there's git Kraken. Get cracking. You know, like this, we just have lots in store this year, much a better lot than last year. Than last year, mm-hmm. yes. So it will be by Onza at the Confucius Center uh, for tickets. Right now, we are doing early bird tickets until the first of September. Yeah, but by the time everybody hears this, that will be over. Oh, that will be over. Sorry. Yeah, so you selling regular <laughs> passes by then, but I'll tweet about it before it ends. So yeah, by the time you hear this, I'll have already tweeted. Or posted on my Facebook. So if you haven't responded to that, you're too late. Uh oh, sadly. Then, so the early bird tickets are at 150. The ordinary ones will be at 250. I mean, save that 100 kwacha. Look out for the tweets. I hope by the time you're listening to this, you did see the tweet. Fingers crossed. This is speaking futuristic. Funny. Okay, so <laughs> so the developer conference, which we are bringing local developers. We're also having speakers from abroad also to talk about the latest technologies. There will be a lot of networking. If you're a business that leverages on developers or you want to interact with our developers or you are a developer yourself, we encourage that you come through and participate in this two days long developer conference. Yes. Mukoma. Mm-hmm. No, I'm happy. I'm happy DevCon is happening again. It's 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 one of the few things I'm, I'm I now look forward to every year. It started like a joke. joke. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> okay, before we like do you have any other news? Oh no, that's it for me. Okay, I heard something today that's very interesting. Um uh Huawei officially released their OS. Their OS yeah. Harmony OS. It's, be, it's been there for a while. It's just now it's like official. And there's a lot of fuss uh, from, you know, devs in the infrastructure world about the fact that it's built off a microkernel. Don't ask me what that is. I have no idea. Like, I need to do some reading about it. But I'll put some links in the description for everybody to go through. And then, yeah, we, s- we look forward to hearing if they will be let back into, you know, Google's ecosystem. But with the way it's looking, they're bracing themselves for the worst. Mm. I like how the well I'm not supporting anyone here but I just like how they they quickly sort of found solutions around everything that was happening to them. Look, this is all we're crying for. We're just asking that people look beyond the problems and find solutions. Mm-hmm. Yes, the minimum price has gone up to 150, but what is is there an alternative? Is is there a solution? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. um I know there's lots of people that are making inroads in this kind of sphere of focusing on solutions, but I don't know if we have enough of those people. Oh yeah. So the same with developers and whatever space you're in, you know, looking for solutions to challenges. Yeah, basically. Okay, before I get all emotional about minimum. <laughs> okay. Um. So we get into the episode. Um. Okay. Uh, I was really looking forward to this because I felt like I slack in a lot of these areas. Like, yes, I think about security, but really not going beyond logins and SSL and, you know, all the other stuff that they tell us to worry about. Oh, believe me, you and I are the same. Same, right? But Alinani is about to educate us. Really? Yes. Do you want to take this one, Alinani? What does security mean for coders? Yeah, so... I think you have already mentioned what my 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 problem is with coders, and I think it's it's uh, something that I don't blame us, mm-hmm. 
but I blame the the whole um, system of how we are taught to code. If you look back in school, I think the only security feature I was taught about was SQL injection, and that was it. Uh, I think it was not even explained in full. Most most of what I was taught when I started coding was all about uh, functional requirement. Is it working? Is it working right? As you've said it right, is the login screen there? Mm-hmm. Am I able to log in? Do I have the right credentials? And that is it. And this was single uh, factor authentication, just your password, and that is it. But I think now things have evolved. And we we have issues such as multi-factor authentication that at least you should have something and know something to um, get access to uh, any uh, uh, say an account that 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 say on the cloud your emails and and, and whatnot. So the, the the first thing for me is if if we look at the information security cycle, we have. Uh, I think you you had you hear of blue team, the red team, purple team, but you have the yellow team, which is the coders, the architects, the builders, and you know 84% of data breaches are not as a result of uh, a firewall or a network issue, but is as a result of uh, a bad software, okay, mm-hmm. software that has got vulnerabilities, and so this is why I feel it's um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a discussion that we should be having all around uh, because I think companies are losing uh, billions, um, um, you know, when uh, data breaches occur. You have, if uh, you're interfacing with the uh, EU citizens, you have uh, GDPR, that's a general data protection regulation. That will you will be fined. You know you have uh, British Airways already being fined, uh, Marriott hotels being fined for such data breaches. And if you look, you'll find that probably there is a problem in the software. So where does it start? It starts from the the coder, the soft, the software developer, the programmer, however you uh, you, you may call him. So we need to change the mindset of the developer the culture that is the first thing that has to change even before we talk about all these complicated issues of penetration testing you know uh, code analysis it is a mindset change that we need uh first okay that sounds great i'm curious um like i don't i don't know uh, how many people understand what the, what the information security life cycle um, looks, uh, like. looks like? And when we when we when we think about that, and we talk about steps that one should take in terms of, like I remember, right, uh, learning how to write code, um, then getting into uni, and then being introduced to uh, development practices and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. <coughs> for security wasn't a big part of no, it wasn't. those development practices, but there was this um, mental shift towards uh, planning. Like it wasn't just about jumping straight into writing code. Mm-hmm. Like you had to plan your work. You had to do your functional requirements. You had to do your whatever use cases. If it's now when talking about agile, you know, you write your little logical lessons on the board. Which little thing is? Uh, little cards. It's like all the stuff that's supposed the to The issues, do. tasks? Yes, all that stuff. And plan the sprints? Exactly. And mm-hmm. you have stand-ups yeah, and you do all that stuff. Like, mm. where does security fit in, in terms of the life cycle? Because I'm sure the information security life cycle fits in somewhere in the overall mm-hmm. goal of building software and stuff like that. Okay, so when, when, we, when we talk of how it would, how information security, how we security fits into the whole life cycle. We basically want it to begin at the earliest, the starting point, the planning phase, okay? So as you plan, uh, you want to, uh, first of all, look at your team of developers, get them trained on the best security practices, 
and um, after that you wa- you'd want to have an architecture review. This is basically the design phase, okay? So when you you, you have your design, you realize that uh, most of the flaws in terms of uh, software as a result of uh, bad design, and these are the ones that are very difficult to uh, rectify. So this is this is one of the uh, earlier stages at which you can you you should at least implement security in. Now, having said that, uh, a simple approach to baking in security into any application or software you are using is just simply by using the uh, secure development lifecycle. Okay, which will it will outline each stage and what you would need to do. So, like I've already talked about in the design, mm-hmm. you want to you the secure development lifecycle will, will tell you about such things like your architecture review, where you're placing your application, and and the like. It will ask you to collect security requirements. We always collect user requirements, functional and the like. Rarely do we collect security requirements. And so by following this SDLC, you'll be able to see it will mandate you to say, okay, have you collected? You have a checklist and it will ask you for security requirements. Uh, After which you have issues like uh, threat modeling. This is now how an attacker will will perceive your application and uh, what attack vectors might they use. So this is stuff that you you will think through as you use the secure development uh, uh, lifecycle. Okay, interesting. There's one thing I actually did not know that you actually do gather requirements for security. <laughs> I think most yeah. of the times we just say, okay, we have a user, what are their requirements, what are the functionalities they need? Yeah, just, just the functional requirements. But security-wise, nothing. Yeah. And this is this is... Security is always an afterthought, if you think of it. Oh, yeah. Security is always an afterthought. And it doesn't, it's, it's not, it's not uh, only with, you know, uh, local developers, but even big companies, Samsung, Apple, uh, it's, always an, uh, it's always an afterthought. Uh, we want to push the product out there. Is it working? Yes. Oh, okay. Now let's uh, break in security. When security is actually supposed to start from the beginning, and you find that certain regulation, uh, again, I'll go back to GDPR, will require you to bake in security from the very start so that even if you, a breach occurs, you can show we put in these controls and these measures to prevent such a thing. So let it not be an afterthought. Yeah. But, but, but I'm curious, like, why is it an afterthought? There has to be a reason why Every, for everybody, it's it's an afterthought. I mean, you understand the big companies or the people that are trying to ship products quickly, they want to get in the hands of the consumer, they want to make some money, yeah. and they're praying that there's nothing wrong. Uh, but why is it just an afterthought for everybody else? It's like there is no particular stereotype with this one. Like, I'm even speaking for myself. Like, it's, it's an afterthought. I think about yeah. it afterwards. And even when you do run tests, if at all you do, they're never mm. comprehensive, right? No. It's yeah. because you know you have to think like a hacker and think of all the different scenarios. Like you will reason what the most likely scenario is, and then secure that, and then say, if ever this happened, I will come back and like you know patch up the rest. <laughs> yeah. So I I think w- when we talk of security and application security in particular, okay, any other security uh, as far as. Uh, Cyber security, information security is concerned. It's not um, an individual's job, but it's an entire team. And what I have noticed is that um, every software development project is supposed to have some sort of governance in place, and we rarely have that. You have one developer who's the tester, who's the everything, you know? That is me. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and this brings about serious problems. So uh, if we have roles and responsibilities, you will find that you have a developer, a tester, and someone responsible for security whose sole purpose is to check your code or to break 
your system so that the coder can go back and correct these things. But usually you find that we are thin on resources and the developer is the guy who's developing, testing, deploying, and uh, and the like. Uh, in terms of why is this an afterthought, I think we are, we, we, we are more interested. I think it's just human nature. We like the, the flashy things. Is this thing working right? Is it uh, printing the right reports and the like? Okay, that is that is good. But not until you have a major incident. For example, if you come up with a system that does not have uh, proper user management or authentication, you find uh, someone, a, a basic user, accessing information that they are not supposed to see, and 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 the like, and the company ends up losing a lot of money if that data is sold. And so, with the coming of more stricter regulation, I think people have realized that it's always an afterthought. How do we change the mindset? Uh, this is all, this will only be done by enforcing regulation. And I think uh, you know, having companies, organization feel that pinch. And when we talk about the application security, it's not only with the the the, 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 the developer. But what is the culture in the organization? At the top, whoever is heading the organization, the C level, uh, the C suit, what is the culture? Is it some is security something that they treasure or they don't? Because uh it, it being an afterthought is actually actually cost the company much more than if things were fixed before an application was deployed. So I think in the past we haven't really had uh, uh, regulation that really punishes people for such carelessness, but now we are seeing such regulation being enforced and we are seeing a move towards people talking about, you know, uh, much more than just the, your okay SQL injection and the like, but people are paying much more attention to this. When you look at uh, multi-factor authentication, you look at your banks now with a bank fraud that that is there. You cannot just develop an application and put a pin. Now we are getting a one-time passwords and and the like just for you to log into your account. So we can see in the various systems, even in our local market that we are using, that uh, security is being taken. Uh, a level serious than what we had before. Interesting. Um, can I take you back? There's, there's a moment where you said, so it, it would be advisable for an organization to have somebody in the software development team who's responsible for security. So for a company that, say, is using different stacks, like they're they using JavaScript, they're using Python, they're using uh, Kotlin, mm -hmm. What would be the best type of person they would hire for uh, for the security aspect? Does that person have to know all the different stacks that the particular firm is uh, using, or it, it doesn't really matter? Also, does it have to be a person, though? Oh, yeah. Could be a tool, right? Yes. <laughs> right. So, the it could be a tool, mm -hmm. yes. You could automate, but you know there are certain things that are just done by a person. So let me let me let me let me address the issue of the person first. Okay. Uh, the issue of the person is number one. There are things that they do not really need to know each and every programming language. Okay. Okay. There are certain things that are general. All programming language. So let's take, for instance, I need to sanitize any input that I that I have. It doesn't matter whether I'm using Java, C sharp, PHP, uh, you name it. Um, that's just basic, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Sanitize data. So this person will look at your code and say, okay. Um, so now, when they are doing their static code analysis, okay. You'll say, okay, we are getting input from here. Is it being sanitized? Uh, yes or no? Um, they would also look, for example, at string functions, which are quite vulnerable at times. There's a, a buffer overflow attack, okay, or vulnerability, I may say, 
that usually happens with uh, string functions. So you look at the string functions being used in a particular programming language and see is it is this function does this is this function susceptible to 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 to, to search. So there are certain things that are general and certain things that are that are specific. When we talk of uh, specific thing, uh, specific things, we we'll look at um, uh, automating. When we talk of automating, and we are looking at static application security testing or dynamic application security testing, there you can automate and um, have. Um, you know, uh, other applications run through your code. For example, if you if you are doing a static application security testing, you, you can use uh, tools like uh, uh, which you can automate. For example, Code Warrior. If you are using PHP, C sharp, PHP, and, and the like. For also like uh, use of uh, Node.js, you have Node.js Scan, uh, which can also do Python and the like. So these are uh, specific to the type of um, uh, uh, language that you're using. And these are the things that you can use to automate. There are others that are free, of course. Um, there's, there's an application called uh, Checkmarks that will go through your code once you check it into your uh, source control and you to uh, bring up uh, flags. It's, it's, it's quite a good dashboard where you can be able to check uh, most of these uh, vulnerabilities that your your code can have. Okay. So uh, at, at a certain point, some things you'd want to manually do them, others you can automate using such tools. Okay. So going back to stuff like regulation, um, from your opinion, like strictly your opinion, yeah. what do you think we're doing locally, right? We had an episode recently um, where we had uh, conversations around people's opinions and what general laws safeguard people on the internet and so on and so forth. And I guess this is an opportunity to extend that to like stuff like application security. Like generally, do we have something like a GDPR, but something locally here? Are we, are, are we making strides in cyber law, for example, mm -hmm. that uh, put in place measures for the user to be protected at all costs by making sure that software companies are held accountable or they, they also put in place measures that make sure that they employ best practices every time they are uh, shipping products and so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I think locally uh, strides are being made to um, address the issue of um, uh, data privacy. I think there's a bill that uh, is yet to be to be to be passed. I uh, would I think you're aware of the uh, electronic transactions act that is being broken up into a, I think about five uh, separate acts. Okay, I think the bills at the moment. Uh, not sure how far that has gone, but there is one that deals with uh, data privacy, mm -hmm. and data privacy would be anything that would lead to personal identifiable information being um, accessed by people who are not supposed to have access to it. So what keeps our uh, our data safe, I think, is the software that stands between the person trying to access it and where it's being stored. So you, I think with, with such requirements, people uh, or organizations that are keeping uh, our data will be forced uh, to ensure that the applications that we use, uh, how our data is stored, uh, complies with this regulation, and I think that that will bring a certain up a certain level of, uh, of security indirectly. Not that there will be regulation that probably will say, developers, did you do A B C D A B C D? But mm -hmm. the implication is, if we're talking about data privacy, things like if I keep it public, we will probably encrypt our data, okay? Mm -hmm. What encryption standard are we using? Yeah. Issues like your authentication, is it, is it multi-factor, is it strong uh, authentication that you have in place? Issues like logging, 
Uh, we are able to see who modified uh, the data at what time and the like. So indirectly, these issues will be will need to be part of any application that we are we are using as a result of uh, such regulations. Yeah, and I think I'll go hunting for all these uh, bills yeah. and acts and put them in the description as well, so people have a good sense of what's happening oh, yeah. in the landscape currently, especially yeah. locally. Yeah. So we talked about planning, right? You have to plan yes. for security, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we, 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 we kind of went and skipped into different things. But I wanted to um, talk specifically about um, the actual checking process. Like we've talked about having an extra person on, on, on the team that is specifically meant for security. But if we are being realistic, for example, like in every organization that I've ever worked for, I am the, the one doing everything. I'm the only developer. And, <laughs> yeah. and unfortunately, um, security is not something that comes from the top willingly. Oh, yeah. It's also yeah. an extreme afterthought. And usually, mm-hmm. uh, if there's a problem, is when you would you you will see some kind of strides being made towards actually, you know, making sure that that problem never happens again. And then even in yep. that scenario, it's just sorting out that problem. That but yeah, it's <laughs> never an, an extending into checking whether other things have been put in place. I can give you a practical example of I won't mention which organization this is, but I know that they have a system where like login credentials, for example, are as simple mm-hmm. as your 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 id number for example right mm-hmm. and your phone number as your username and password for example and this is something that was done to make it easier for their target market to log in because of the vast knowledge gap in 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 in, in, in the different demographic areas that mm-hmm. they, they, were, they were targeting and also you know ict skills and so on and so forth like um in terms of working as an individual how do you mm. <laughs> hold yourself accountable <laughs> For, because you're yeah, a, a, a one-man team so <laughs> exactly yeah as an individual um is it possible to hold yourself accountable <laughs> <laughs> it's quite difficult all right I, I mean um yeah it's a difficult one because even if you have tools that you automate and they flag this uh, and that uh, you are alone. You say, ah, I can ignore this, I can mm. ignore that. So you really need um, someone to someone else to check your work. The same way we, when you are proofreading, I mean, if you write an assignment or something uh, like, like like that, I think you would proofread and everything looks fine. The next person will look at your work and will spot out all these, uh, you know these gaps so i would say you use you you would want to use uh, some automated tools and um these tools yes will flag vulnerabilities and if you are honest with yourself you will work on them um but i would still advise going a step further and asking another person just to look at your at your code in bigger or larger organizations, it's it, this you find there's a separation. Uh, again, in our local market, all most if not all organizations I know, even the financial sector, the developer there's no there's no the developer has access to production environment, which is not supposed to. So yeah, I think automate and if possible. Ask a good friend to go through your code or pay someone to do it, but but it's important if if, if you're doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if it's in an organization, we are reactive as opposed to being proactive. We wait for something bad to happen, oh, yeah. and then we fix it quickly and we forget about it. But the tone at the top, the CEO, the 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 sea level uh, are the ones that uh, should take this seriously. And the simple way of having them take issues of security uh, is, uh, for example, 
in my organization, when I'm talking about security, I map it to the east to our own. Okay? Mm-hmm. The, the, the image of the organization. And that is a lot they understand. That is what they want to hear. They are not going to listen to, oh, this is SQL injection, or I need a tool that will do this, or I need an extra uh, tester, developer on my team. For them, that is just an extra cost. Why do you, why do you need that? So as uh, uh, people managing such projects, uh, we should develop a skill of mapping the uh, the impact that a security breach or vulnerability in software would have, and map this on the impact that it would have. And if possible, quantify that. And once they think they will pay attention to security. And I think that is what is lacking because most of the time, we, we because we're developers, we're too technical and we're not thinking in those lines but to get their attention that's what i think in, in my opinion that's what i have been doing hmm. i like what you touch on you know the whole idea of being able to communicate um your needs as a developer yeah to, uh, to senior management or whoever is up the chain and this is something that we talked about cynthia oh yeah um uh, people that are lucky to have product managers <laughs> so yeah. someone who can communicate <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's 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 super super important and i feel like those are skills that um a lot of people are lacking quite quite a bit actually oh, yeah. and usually when we talk about skills that developers are lacking we refer to maybe if they're trying to you know build a startup or they're lacking the business mm-hmm. you know side of stuff and that's exactly what this is like it's not even really about the lacking the business it's just communication skills oh yeah being able mm. to understand what your what the other person's needs are and using their needs against them, kind of, to get what you need and kind what of. you want. It's basically what it is, I guess. It's very interesting. So what happens mm-hmm. when you, yeah, you check for security stuff, maybe you missed something, you ship, and then something wrong happens? You have lots okay. of coffee when fixing it. <laughs> At least you still have your job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of, I think as, as coders, there's always a point where you write your code and you just want to run it, compile it. Uh, you, you really don't, and when you, when you do that, you don't even think some bug will pop up. And I'm still amazed that the consequence that we have, you know, at that point until it pops up, I say, oh. This, this, and that. And so, uh, it's, it's always good to have contingency, contingency plans in, in, in place. Okay. And there are certain controls where I think it, it, it depends on what goes wrong. So, for example, we know, let, let us assume we're coming up with an application that stores sensitive data. We, know that um, the first uh, uh, level of security that we would probably have is our login. So let's assume someone breaks through that. And this is the importance of threat modeling uh, after we collect our security requirements and the like. So let's uh, let's assume someone uh, 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 goes through, logs in with uh, stolen credentials or has access to a database. The second layer of security that we'll put in place will be to encrypt that data. That person will not be able to view that data. Okay, so I, I think putting uh, sort of some 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 sort of layered security approach to applications uh, that we are deploying it would be important. Uh, assuming. Uh, let us not assume that uh, something will not go wrong. I, I found that it's always safer to assume something might go wrong and you prepare for how you would respond uh, to such, such an incident. Whether you you quickly patch, withdraw the application that you have and, and the like. 
But um, I think uh, I would say contingencies and several layers of being put in place would help you uh, just in case one layer is compromised. Okay, so what are some of the practical um, situations that you've come across in your career that have forced you to make contingency or to take contingency measures? Like run me through a scenario that you went through that forced you to either take down an application or apologize or beg for your job or um so you know i like uh, when it comes to software development um for me i i um i love the planning phase okay where you you come up with this entire architecture and if the architecture has not been done correctly uh you really get into some deep, deep trouble. Even if your code is running correctly, you you still have issues. So, um, one of the one of the issues I I experienced a simple one. I think I, I there was a there was a website belonging to the organization, and it received. Um, I think we're just using we we're just using one one server, and there was so much traffic. So there was uh, a DDoS attack, the distributed uh, denial of service attack mm-hmm. on the server. Okay, and at that point, uh, all sorts of I mean you don't know what happened at that point. Okay, and then the time now that you realize to say what it is. You cannot do anything on the site. We had to take it down. Uh, we beg for jobs. Uh, anyway, we explained, and, <laughs> and that's that's one of the issues. Now, that's one of the things that made me realize the importance of um, security and uh, making sure that applications that you take out the public are resilient, okay, in terms of availability. And from there, each time we're doing an architecture review for an application that is going to be accessed by the public, you always include issues to do with load balancing. You uh, at least make use of um, a number of uh, centers if you have. If it's something that you can host on AWS, AWS is a powerful platform. I love it. And really for resilience, it's 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 my number one go to piece, I think. So that for me changed my mindset when it came to how are the applications deployed. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So essentially what you're saying is never deploy sensitive data on a shared hosting platform or shared server yeah i mean okay so again um uh, when i talked to freight modeling if we had followed in life cycle and had the point where we, where we had some threat modeling would say hey what if we have too much traffic coming here mm-hmm. what happens you know then would have put a contingency in place and okay we have four five or a load balancer here and there, and uh, you know this will access uh, you know a separate server that has the core. Come an architecture that is robust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, security system is up there and it's looking nice, nice pictures and everything until you have that. Mm, you've then done the SEO, you know this yeah. traffic, you're feeling nice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I think that's one of the experiences that that I have learned that I have learned from. Okay. Um, yeah. What have we missed, Cynthia? Oh, we haven't missed a thing. I, I'm just now just thinking maybe we should dedicate another episode where he runs us through step by step in the secure development life cycle. 
you were yeah. I, like no let me be honest dear audience i was like the yellow team blue team what other one did you say purple team you said red as purple well. team <laughs> green team <laughs> and I was like, huh? no that 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 is just the information security wheel actually not life cycle but wheel it just talks about the the, the, the different the, you see as, as i said security is just not one person's responsibility so each person plays a role. So you have the people, for example, who want to do your penetration testing when your app is out there. Those who belong to the red team. Then you have people putting in defenses. Those are in the blue team and the like. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, no, we definitely need that. We, we come and learn about these teams and the development <laughs> life cycle. <laughs> I think these are things that we ignore yeah. and can be quite costly. Especially looking at where we're going, the rate of digitization, uh, the innovations that we have. Uh, if you look at uh, financial services, everyone has uh, some sort of mobile money account. These are things that we cannot, um, you know, ignore. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyhow, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um I think I think I'd be lying if I said uh, I'm not guilty of a lot of the things that we are doing today. I'd be lying quite a bit, but I think yeah, I'm really changing my ways. I'm really <laughs> changing my ways. We have a sin about to repent. Yeah, we all are. <laughs> so, just one last one last question: How hard was yeah. it to get into the security space? Because you identify as. Um, as uh, as a coder obviously but leaning towards um, security and enforcing all the best practices that are available so how did you get into this space what was the motivation basically all right so i've always been a security enthusiast uh, enthusiastic about issues to do security cyber security okay and so when i started out um, I loved coding, and um, at a certain point, I decided to branch out to security. I got to learn more about cyber security issues. So I did some sets in uh, with, with the Science Institute uh, on. Um, uh, incident response, uh, uh, basically penetration testing and the like. And as I moved that direction, I got to realize, hey, the things that we are talking about, uh, mapping onto uh, developers, these are things that we can easily uh, uh, mitigate as we develop our application. So having that knowledge, started mapping the two. And I think from there, it's uh, it's always been something that uh, I guess I'm still transitioning. Uh, I still have coding and I still have security. And this is now me finding myself at the middle. Yeah. Some days I don't know what to do. Should I code? Should I uh, do something that's more security-centered? But this is the space where I am now. And I think... Uh, I'm comfortable. I love it because it speaks to both my 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 desires, security and coding. Yeah. Cardinal is sounding like me. Eh? Yeah. Like well, I'm like, <laughs> should, should, should I should I code or should I just get into product management strictly? Management. I I love both. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But you could leave one as a hobby. You know that, right? Like coding could just be your hobby. Right now, coding has just turned out to be a hobby, actually. <laughs> It's actually more enjoyable, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but but you see, the, the goodness is you get to understand um, where this entire, how this entire system is being built. I think it's very very few people have the perspective of a coder, and from background, it's easier for you to communicate and help the people that are actually coming after you All and right, make yeah. sure that the things that you do actually the the gaps 
that were existed when you were there no longer exist. So. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah. Okay, will we see you at DevCon next month? Uh, hopefully, I hope I hope I'm back in town at at that time. Okay, we will continue yes. talking. And we will see <laughs> you. Fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has been a really interesting episode. I've learned quite a lot. Um, yeah. I am I am happy to continuously you know learn and grow. Yeah. Not only a developer, but just you know a technology enthusiast in general. And um, hopefully, over the next few months, we'll hear a lot more stories about people changing their ways like I have. I should be a testament to all other... Oh, believe me, I'm changing from today forward. You too, huh? Mm-mm, no. Okay, great. We'd love to hear your stories around technology and whether you've been hacked or not. Or we'd love to hear stories about um, that bug that, that someone made you big for your job. That bug that kept you up big for your job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me be quick. Let me be quick. If there is one key takeaway from this mm-hmm. uh, for developers and everyone in the cybersecurity space that that they should go away with is that knowing that there is no silver bullet for developing a secure application or secure software. It's a team effort, and it you know there. there the number of things that should be done. I know we look for quick, quick, quick solutions, but yeah. there's no silver bullet for this. Mm, that, that's vital information. So if anybody yeah. wants to get in touch with you, where do they find you in case they have any more questions? Uh, you can get me on LinkedIn. Um, I should pop up. Uh, yeah, or Facebook. Facebook, what is your... Uh, same. Oh, same thing. I think uh, yeah. we'll put a link in the description as well. Yeah. Uh, so people can definitely find you and add you. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so if you want to get in touch with uh, the podcast, we're at Podcast ZM on Twitter, we're at Podcast ZM on Instagram, on Facebook, we're at Podcast Zambia, we're also on LinkedIn, at Podcast Zambia. If you want to come on the show and chat with us about anything that you want, feel free to DM us, mention us. If you want to find Cynthia, that's Python Khaleesi on Twitter, um, I'm Sour underscore Bones. Feel free to just get in touch with us and you know talk to us. We are pretty cool people and we'd love to chat and talk. Yes. As you found out, we're still doing this. We talk a lot. Too much. <laughs> so on that note uh, we end the podcast thank you very much Alignani for coming through we appreciate you giving us input thank you alright thanks pleasure <laughs> I am back <laughs> okay Codecast out thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Codecast make sure to follow us on Twitter at CodecastZM and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss a show leave us a rating on iTunes and please do tell a friend about the show